public, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Coyote Calls with Mike Chirpak. And I'm your host, Mike Chirpak, and we get to have a bit of a more upbeat podcast today because, well, we're coming off of a win, and uh, that uh, makes a series two games to one, and we have a chance to tie things up and start all over again tomorrow, that's Monday. Um, okay, so let's start out. You know, I, I didn't know whether we wanted to start with what needs to get better because there was a lot of stuff, obviously, if you watch the game, that needs to be cleaned up still. But there were some positives as well, obviously, when you come away with a W. There's a reason for that. Um, but let's go ahead and start out with, of course, the goaltending because everybody's talking about it, and I do mean everybody is talking about Kemper's amazing performance. Uh, you know, what's funny is he had a great performance in game two, and if it wasn't for a crazy bounce, that game might have ended up in a W column, and we'd be looking completely differently at the playoffs at this point. But uh, so a great game in game two, but a phenomenal game in game three. Any time that you face as many shots as he did and can come away with the win, it's, it's huge. I know there's been a lot of comparisons between Mike Smith and Darcy Kemper, but uh, being a uh, survivor of the Mike Smith era, I absolutely adored Mike Smith during the time he was here. Different personalities, though. Different personalities. You know, uh, Mike Smith was more of a, give me the puck and I'm going to score on the empty net. Um, you know, go ahead, I dare you to throw that puck behind my net. I'm going to go pick it up and I'm going to make a passing play. In other words, a spotlight kind of guy. And that served him well. It really did. I don't take it away from him. But uh, Kemper's different. Kemper's a let me do my job. Quit asking me questions about me, and let's talk about my team. Uh, different, different kind of guy. Let's put the spotlight on the guys that blocked 27 shots instead of putting the spotlight on me. Spotlight on me for you know blocking 49. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this series plays out. The one attitude versus the other, but. No doubt. I had actually on uh, Twitter, I had somebody reach out from Colorado, and at first they were saying, hey, so don't feel so great about yourselves. Your goalie won the game, not your team. And I responded and, and actually got a nice uh, response from them. I, I replied to them that, number one, the last time I checked, uh, hockey is a team sport, and your goalie is a part of that team. So, yeah, the goalie stood on his head, and that's phenomenal, but you still had to put the puck in the net several times in order to come away with the win. And the other point that I made to this person was you do – I don't care who you are, what team, how talented, you do not come away with success in the playoffs without your goalie stealing at least one game. And it's usually more like stealing one game per series. So this was our one game in the series where we relied on the goaltender to steal a game. And fortunately for us, Kemper was up to the task. And, okay, let's call it him stealing a game for us. Thank you very much. 
Moving on, you know, uh, I mentioned in the previous podcast not to get too low, um, being down two games to none, because these are home and away games. And even though there's not fans, there's still last change. In other words, when you're the home team, you get to wait to see who your opponent is putting on the ice and then you get to make a change. You get to add or change the guys that are on the ice to match up against the other team's um, players. So we saw a genius at work with the coaching changes that were made from game two to game three when you have that last change protocol going on. It was it was brilliant, just the way that the Coyotes were able to match up against the Avalanche and and keep their big guns in check. And like I say, they were getting their shots, but they were constantly being hounded. They were constantly being forced to make bad plays or rather not the plays that they actually may have wanted to play. And so that home versus away really does come into it. And if you're new to hockey, going into this fourth game, it'll be interesting for you to kind of keep an eye on that because, again, we're going to be the home team. We're going to be the team that gets to make the last change and put players out there that we want as far as matchups go. All right, since we're on kind of a good track here, let's continue to look at the positives. I don't often do it because I just love the boy so much, but in the last podcast, um, I called out Connor Garland, and I was like, you know, you, you, sir, need to step up. You've had good moments throughout the postseason, both against Nashville and here against Colorado, but uh, you need to step up, sir. You need to make your presence known. And Connor Garland made his presence known for 60 minutes. And that's what I was looking for. And I'm going to tell you why. Not only did he make a beautiful play setting up Richardson's um, game-winning goal. I mean, it was just a phenomenal pass. But he got his wheels going. Going into game four, I am so excited because Connor Garland was starting to make the moves that we're used to seeing out of him. At one point, there was a play he made that led to a shot on goal and a whistle. He made the play during a Coyotes line change. Okay, now this is something you can watch in future games. So you see that your team is making a line change, but you have the puck. What do most guys do? They carry it in over the blue line, kind of dump it because, hey, there's nobody else on the ice with you. Your entire team has gone to make a change. And so you dump it in, and then you go and make the change. What did Garland do? He skated in one on three, and one of those three guys that he brought the puck in on is like six foot four. I mean, Garland comes up to this guy's rib cage, and he not only brought the puck all the way in, but he actually cut in front in the slot, one on three, and he got a shot off. Tried to tuck it around the left pad, and uh, you know it was the goalie made the stop, puck was smothered, whistle blown, but that was just that 
is the Connor Garland that we know and we love. And so it's those kind of plays that going into the fourth game, I feel really good about. I want to see him continue to do that. And one of the reasons that I want to see Connor Garland doing that kind of stuff, and same thing with Taylor Hall, so let's give him some props too. Great game by Taylor Hall. But these guys that are willing to back check. So in other words, you go in, you make this fantastic play, but you don't score on the play. If there's a turnover, if the uh, opposing team now ends up with the puck, how quickly can you get on your horse and get back? And, you know, Connor Garland's the kind of guy that you know. He's not going to be gliding back on the back check. He's going to be hustling. So awesome to see him uh, ramp up his game. A couple other people that I had called out and ramped up their game Stepan had a second big game in a row. So after his first game, I kind of called him out a little bit. And his goal from the slot was fantastic. Great feed from Keller, by the way. But just having the presence as a veteran to stand there in the slot where you're supposed to get hit, you're supposed to get knocked down. You're supposed to get your face pushed into the ice. And he just stood there with his stick on the ice and made that goal that took the feed from Keller and, and made that shot, made the goal. Fantastic presence there. And again, going back to Taylor Hall, not just a great game for him, but I'm going to make fun of him here in a second, but not just a great game from him, but the play he made on the empty netter. You know, a lot of times the guys score goals on empty netters, and you go, okay, well, I mean, that's good. You wanted that insurance goal, but eh, okay, big deal. It was an empty net goal. But his stepping up and making a play on the puck that really should have ended up back up in the Coyotes zone with the Colorado defenseman getting to the puck first. He should have been able to move that puck up the ice, but instead he tried to make a play and uh, Taylor Hall was able to steal the puck away from him and bury one into the empty net. And, that, and it was just huge. Uh, so that kind of thing, again, is what I'm looking for, is where over and over and over again, you're calling somebody's name in a positive way, and he makes positive things happen. We touched on the blocked shots. That was great to see because it's a reversal from what we saw in the first couple of games where we were just frustrated by not being able to get shots through because of all of the shots that were being blocked by Colorado. And now here we flipped it right around. I think it was like three to one, our, our shot blocking on them. Um, okay, so we're also looking at team effort. So this is the final thing I want to talk about here before going into the break. A bend, don't break mentality. When you get into the last 10 minutes of a game, First of all, let's just say that the third period, the bounces changed. I think it was halfway through the second period, but definitely in the third period. The first period, bounces were going the Coyotes' way, and that's a huge thing. We talked about it the other day. Good teams take advantage of bounces when they come their way. They create those bounces. Great teams bury them. They make those bounces turn into goals. And we saw a change definitely in the third period where Bounces were going Colorado's way, and they were starting to take advantage of them. Tipped pucks, redirected pucks, you know, and not like, oh, I'm going to tip it in, I'm going to redirect it, but just weird bounces that started going 
Colorado's way. And so then as a team, you go into that bend but don't break mentality. That really plays into the Coyotes' wheelhouse. That is our identity. Put a few in the net and then bend but don't break. Help your goalie out just enough to keep yourself in the game. We're going to take a little break and then come right back. looking for an exciting, non-stop, non-contact sport utilizing many of the strategies of hockey, you have got to try out the new sport of Sabaki Ball. You can get more information about Sabaki Ball at S-A-B-A-K-I-Ball.com. That's SabakiBall.com. Okay, we are back, and um, we're going to talk about some of the things that still aren't going very well and continue to be a problem, and something needs to change, and it needs to change, let's see, it needs to change overnight tonight. Something needs to happen to get the Coyotes to understand that it's one thing to be out there blocking 27 shots. That's great. What a team effort. Woo-hoo. It's another thing to be allowing 20 shots on goal in the first period alone. I mean, come on. If you're looking at shots taken, okay, including goals and stops by Kemper, plus the blocked shots, I mean, we're talking about almost 80 shots. What is going on? That's an awful lot of time that the opponent is playing with a puck on their stick. 80 shots. Come on, man. That's for some teams, that's almost three games worth of shots, not one. And so we need to start playing more puck possession hockey. We need to stop throwing pucks into corners and not coming out with them. We did a much better job in the last two games of dumping the pucks and getting two, three guys on it. But you've got to come up with those pucks. And when you come up with them, you've got to keep possession. You can't just throw those pucks away. A team like Colorado, with all the talent they've got, I mean, you talk about a puck possession team. Watch a replay of any one of the three games, but be a fan just for a moment of the Colorado Avalanche. You start to wonder why you were even in game two. You should have just blown the Coyotes out. And what happened in game three? The puck was on your stick almost the entire game. How did you not win that game? So that that needs to change. Coyotes need to come up with a way to have more offensive zone time, to not panic when they get the puck on their stick, know what to do with it, make good passes, and keep possession for longer periods of time. Speaking of... The anemic power play. I mean, we can't even call it a power play anymore. I'd almost rather score. I'd almost rather be on the penalty kill because at least we're going to score once in a while. I think we have two shorthanded goals. We have no power play goals. So, you know, when, you, when you're watching your team and you're trying to be a fan and you're going, well, I sure hope we take a penalty because then maybe we can score a goal. That is not a special teams situation you want to find yourself in. The power play has got to do a better job of zone entry. And I know a lot of people are like, why can't you score on the power play? You need to move the puck around. You need to get the puck into the zone. They can't even get the puck into the zone. 
And what do you do to change that? You've been working on your power play for months. For months you've been working on this power play since last September. And now you're looking to try and make changes. And it's not just changes, okay, well, this is a different team, Colorado. We were doing just fine against Nashville. No, no. Whatever they've been doing isn't working. And they have 24 hours to try and make it right. Because I'm going to tell you, you mark my words, they are not going to win game four if they don't have a power play goal. That's my prediction. If they don't have at least one power play goal, they are not going to win game four. Let me tell you all something. I have two major problems in my life. I'm going to share a little bit personally. I have two major problems in my life. I've always had it. Number one, always have had the problem of being just too darn good looking. And that, that's a burden, I'm going to tell you right now. But the other one is always being right. You would think that it's easy to always be right, but it's not. It's darn hard to always be right. I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't have a power play goal in game four, we're going to lose that game. Something has to change, and it has to change right now. I'm going to make an observation for you. Maybe some of you saw it, maybe you didn't, but I want you to watch for it in game four as well. This will kind of give you an idea of how this game's going to play out. There were at least three times in the first period and a half of game two where the Coyotes' defense left Colorado forwards alone in the slot. Hmm, kind of like they did against Stepan when he scored his goal. You cannot leave these guys alone in front of the net, and I'm going to tell you why. You would think it's a no-brainer. Obviously, you don't want forwards standing alone in front of your net, but it's not just that. It's that when you are playing against an opponent that is taking as many shots as the Colorado Avalanche are, it's not necessarily that first shot that's going in, but it's the rebound. Any team will tell you in the NHL, most goals are not pretty. Most goals are not Brad Richardson shots over the shoulder. Isn't that funny to say? <laughs> Michael Grabner, laser beam over the shoulder. That's not normal. It's those greasy, gritty goals in the slot Goalie makes a save, even maybe gets a second save, and then, you know, the third one, there's just no way. The goalie's down, the puck is up, and it's in. So you've got to do a better job of cleaning up the slot, not just getting control of pucks, but having control of your opponent. Now, we might be a little bit gun-shy because the, refer the referees have been making some really crazy calls, um, but it's still something that you have to – you have to make sure that you're clearing out the slot. You can't leave guys getting behind you and being in control of that space between the pipes in front of the goalie. That's all we've got time for today. I'm going to come back at you after game four. Wish the boys luck. Let's clean up a little bit and continue with the good stuff. I'll catch you again in just a couple of days.